Okay, guys, well, we are about to jump into part two of a little small little series that I started last week. Raise your hand if you were here last week. Raise your hand. Awesome. Awesome. A lot of you guys were. Uh, it's called Disciple. I'm going to give you a recap in just a second on what I covered last week and kind of why we're doing this series. Everybody say Disciple. How many of you guys want to be a disciple of Jesus? A few of you guys do. Awesome. By the end of this message, everybody will in Jesus' name. But hey, a couple reminders. I shared this last week, and I'm probably going to do this before every message, but just reminder of this time right here when all of you guys are staring right at me. <laughs> just, rem <laughs> just remember something. You know, when... You know, I'm assuming that most of you guys are here because you really do love God and you want more of him. But just here's a reminder, especially if a lot of you are checking things out, checking uh, churches out, a lot of you college students. I would, just, I would just encourage you to focus less on, you know, me or focus less on this environment and just focus on, Lord, what are you saying to me today? Holy Spirit, what do you want to do in me today? Every time we come before the word of God and get in the presence of God with the people of God, there is something God wants to do speak, encourage, just he wants a light of fire in you, and I just would hate for you to miss that fire the Lord wants to grip you with because you're so focused on if this guy is the real deal, this church is the real deal, if I like their lights, it's like, guys, it doesn't matter, it doesn't matter, what matters is that you're responding to the Lord, you're walking with him daily, and you're letting the Holy Spirit have his way in your life, I just want to urge you to um, just be open to what the Holy Spirit might want to do today, and um, you know, I, I was thinking about our services and really just thinking about the church at large. Like, like, what if when we come into services, you know, we're just we're thinking a lot less about all the external circumstantial stuff. Like, what would it be like if the God of the Bible was with the people of God when they worshiped? What would it look like? What would it feel like? And I'm like, that's what I want, Lord. That's what I want is for us to be so obsessed with him that we could care less about all the other extra stuff. And we're just we just want him. And the last thing I want to tell you about, at least our heart here for our messages, and I know this is true for so many other pastors in this city, you know, when we come to the Word of God and hear sermons, it, it's less about just gaining more information. As the Bible says in James that he doesn't want us just to be a hearer of the Word, but a, a doer of the Word. And we, uh, we want to be activated in the things of God. We want to be stirred, and we want to leave here not just knowing more information, but living something out. When you leave these doors, we're living something out. We're living out the gospel. We're living out our relationship with the Lord. And so just be open and receptive to what the Holy Spirit might want to do today. I think this is so helpful and a, a good tee up for kind of me finishing out this series called Disciple. I want you to say Disciple one more time. Disciple. Okay, this is absolutely like an activation message. This is not just information, all right? So last week, started this series, and the simple premise of this is, in a sense, the word disciple, at least the way we use it, it's both a noun and a verb. Okay, we want to be a disciple and learn what that means to be a disciple, but also we want to make disciples. We want to agree with the mission of Jesus where he said go out and make disciples. Give you a couple definitions. They'll be on the screen here of what I mean by this that we're clear as I keep using this word. So a disciple simply is one who loves and follows Jesus for a lifetime. And to disciple means walking closely with others to help them love and follow Jesus for a lifetime. Why don't you keep those up there just for a second? As I was thinking about these definitions, it's just good to look at that and say, yes, I want to love and follow Jesus for a lifetime. It's also helpful to realize, like, I need people 
walking closely with me to help me love and follow Jesus for a lifetime. You like, we have to have and we need both. So last week I focused kind of on that second part of making disciples. Um, and, you know, we went none other than the Great Commission. Some of you guys know this. Let me just remind you, Matthew 28, 18 through 20. The Great Commission, one of the very last things that Jesus said to his disciples before he ascended. So therefore it's pretty important because the last thing. Matthew 28, 18 through 20. He says, all authority in heaven and earth has been given to me. Go, therefore, and make, make what? Disciples of all nations, baptizing them in the name of the Father, Son, and Holy Spirit, and teaching them to obey or observe all that I have commanded you. And behold, or some translations say, lo. I like lo. Everybody say lo. Lo, I am with you always to the ends of the earth. And so, you know, why are we talking? You can keep that up there just for a second. Why are we talking about this? I mean, this time of year. We've got a lot of new faces, a lot of new, new folks, and just wanted to know, wanted you guys to know, like, hey, we are serious about this call to be a disciple and to make disciples. Also, if you really get to the core of who we are as a church family, we are a discipleship-based church and discipleship-based movement. At the core of everything we're doing, we're not prioritizing the big external service. I mean, these Sundays are very important to what we do, but at the, at the core, we want to walk closely with one another helping each other love and follow Jesus. So it's important you guys know our heart. And then, of course, last but not least, why we're doing it is because Jesus commanded it. Amen? Yeah. And we want to be serious about this. Now, before you check out of this command here, I just want you to know something. It's a simple statement, but you were made for this. If you are a child of God, born again, the Holy Spirit lives in you, you were made for this. You come alive when you are activated in the mission of God. There is, it's easy in our culture to not be activated. And literally, even by the setup of this church, it's like all of our, not that it's wrong, but it's just like all of our chairs face one way to watch one guy talk about something. And I don't really know what you're going to do with this message unless I'm walking closely with you. But I just want you to know, like, there God is inviting us in to something that we were made for. And that is to be a disciple maker, to say yes to this mission of going out and making disciples. You were made for this, and something comes alive when you say yes. Look at your neighbor in the eyes and say, you were made for this. Come on, tell him like you believe it. You were made for this. And, hey, when everyone engages in this, you know, just imagine this whole room, 150, 200 people. Like, the impact is great. I showed you guys this chart last week. I want to show you again just in case you weren't here. And it's kind of the difference between, in a, in a sense, addition and multiplication. But really, I'm talking about, you know, people coming to know the Lord through just big gatherings. And then the difference between that and making just a few disciples. So that first line is, imagine someone's really gifted in evangelism. And every year, they're bringing 1,000 people to the Lord. Now, how many of you guys know that would be amazing? Anybody know that? That would be awesome, okay, that if in 10 years through a person's life, 10,000 people become followers of Jesus. Woo! It's amazing. The second part of this, though, shows the, the impact on if it's not just, you know, centered on one person's gift, but if everybody does a little part. The next part shows that if, you know, I as an individual commit to, I'm going to disciple, Lord, just give me two, two people to invest in. And based on the definition, walk closely with them to help them love and follow Jesus. Then look at the impact over a 10-year span. Because it starts with me discipling two, so it starts with three. And then at the following year, those three people say, I'm going to sign up again. Lord, give me two. And I'm going to keep making disciples. And those disciples make disciples. Look at the dramatic impact at the 10-year mark. You guys see that? 
Isn't that wild? And this is why I think it's just the wisdom and brilliance of God to leave us with the Great Commission to go make disciples. The impact is great when we all commit. But remember, you can leave that up there. Remember, we're not just going for numbers. So when you look at that 59,000, we're not just going for a bigger amount. What we're going for is genuine disciples, genuine followers. And let me expound on that. It means like I'm actually walking with Jesus. And guess what? When you walk with Jesus, you change. (laughs) You get healed. You get delivered. You walk in wholeness. You come alive. The abundant life that Jesus promised, you begin to like taste it more and more and more. So when you look at that, don't just think, wow, big, another big gathering. Think of like people that are genuinely walking with the Lord, walking in wholeness, getting healed, getting delivered, getting set free, walking in the power of God. That is what we're after. And that's what we're going to talk about a little bit more today is what does it look like to even be a disciple? All right, you guys ready? All right, so let me give you a reminder. A disciple, according to our definition, is one who loves and follows Jesus for a lifetime. So love and follow. Let me talk about that just for a second. So by love, I literally mean like, man, our heart being stirred with affection for the Lord With follow, I'm talking about what did he say to do? I'm thinking about like your footsteps, you're following. What did he say to do? Where did he say to go? And am I walking in that direction? Now, where can we find his commands? I'm holding it. (laughs) Where can we find his commands? In his word. And there's a lot of commands in here that Jesus himself gave us. And don't think heaviness. Don't think, oh, I've got to do all these commands. Because 1 John makes it clear that the commands of the Lord are not burdensome. For whatever reason, in our culture today, we kind of get it mixed up. Like, if there's a command or something I need to do, then it's just automatically heavy. (laughs) Well, when the king of the universe says, do this, it will go well for you, it's like, yes, sir. It's like, (laughs) it should be a no-brainer, but for whatever reason, we get kind of stuck a little bit of like, there's there's nothing I need to do, you know? It's like, of course, it is all covered in his grace, but there there are ways that the Lord said to live. There's things that he wants us to do. But you know what's so cool? It's like you actually don't even have to be so overwhelmed with what are all the commands of the Bible because Jesus went to another level and gave us the greatest commandment. Isn't that so cool? I'm just so thankful that he knows we need it to be really simplified. The greatest commandment, some of you know this, it's found uh, all throughout the Gospels. Uh, Mark 12 in particular says it this way. The greatest of the commandments is this, to love the Lord your God with all your heart, soul, mind, and strength. (laughs) That's what I do with my kids. Heart? Soul's in there somewhere, so I kind of just go right here. Uh, It's not the heart, apparently. Anyways, mind and strength. And the second is like it, to love your neighbor as yourself. And because this is like so clear from the Lord, this is the greatest commandment, we actually, over the next several weeks, starting next week, we're going to dive really deeply into the greatest commandment and talk thoroughly about what does it look like to love God with all of our heart. Next week, it's the heart. What does it look like for me to love God with all of my heart? So we're going to talk through that, and then we're going to go kind of each the, each the steps of the way. So I want to encourage you to be here next week, come for that, um, but I think it will be really helpful. All right, but let's talk about what a disciple really is, at least according to the Bible. Because really, the word disciple is only kind of used in church context, okay? So let's talk about that for a second. A disciple in the Bible times was like a student, a learner. You could use the word pupil, but no one knows what that means except for your eyes. <laughs> it's an apprentice, okay? It's, it's someone that's following or I'll say shadowing a teacher or master or rabbi, learning from them information, but then, like, doing what he says to do 
and doing what he's already doing. That's what a disciple was. And there's this, there this important underlying tone that you'll see throughout the New Testament as you read the Gospels. Is there is this underlying assumption that the disciples had was that the master, Jesus, was in charge. He was the boss. He was the leader. Like what he said, that's how it went. There is this underlying, like, I am following somebody, and so therefore he is in charge. So when he asks me to do something, it's not really a conversation or a discussion. It's not about my likes, my dislikes, my Enneagram number, or blah, 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 whatever else. This is about you're the master, <laughs> you're the leader, I'm the follower. Yes, sir. Lead me, Lord. There's this underlying and clear assumption that he was in charge and he called the shots. But as you also look throughout the uh, scriptures and the gospels, I'm going to show you something in John 6 real quick. You'll see like different groups of people that you'll see throughout the gospels. And here's three that I kind of identified. It's imperfect and they kind of flow together sometimes. But here's three of them. You see many references to the crowd. You'll see some followers and then you'll see some disciples. Here's a good example in John 6. It'll be on the screen. It says, after this, Jesus went away to the other side of the Sea of Galilee which is the Sea of Tiberias, and a large crowd, everybody say crowd, was following him because they saw the signs that he was doing on the sick. Jesus went up on the mountain, and there he sat down with his what? With his disciples. So interesting, different phrasing there, but I love John 6 because, if, anybody know what's in John 6? Just nod your head. It's a pretty cool chapter. Might be one of my favorites because Jesus he loses the majority of his followers in John chapter 6. Did you guys know that? He starts preaching and teaching, and people are getting offended and all that stuff, but, and it's because of what he's teaching. It's like if I was there, I would understand. He starts going off into things like this. Here's what you need to do for eternal life. Eat my flesh and drink my blood. It's like, at this point, you know, 2023, I think some of you are clicking like, oh, <laughs> communion. All right, I got it, <laughs> got it. But th these guys have no idea. He hasn't died yet. He hasn't shed his blood yet. And so all these people are super confused, and people start leaving. But I'm going to pick it up in verse, uh, where is it, 66. He says this, after this, many of his disciples turned back and no longer walked with him. So Jesus said to the 12, do you want us to go away as well? Let me just pause there. <laughs> What's so funny is that the next, you can keep reading if you want, get your Bible open, but Jesus does not beg them to stay. He's looking for genuine folks that say, I'm all in for you, Jesus, no matter what. And I want you to keep those um, kind of crowd followers, disciples, because even with that verse I just read, it says that some of the disciples turn back and no longer walk with him, but then he turns to the 12. Okay, so let me show you even another, maybe more in-depth breakdown of what could be in the disciples' crowd, and that would be the 12. Why don't you put that other slide up there? The 12 he mentioned, so obviously his 12 disciples. But also throughout the Gospels, you see three guys that kind of stand out as getting some extra time with the Lord. Anybody know who those three are? Peter, James, and John. And then I put John the Beloved in there because if you read the book of John, what you're going to notice, the way he talks about himself and his relationship with the Lord, it's, it's close. You know, he emphasizes in the gospel that he wrote that I was the one who leaned on Jesus' chest on the, the Last Supper. And here's one of my takeaways from this, and I'll, show you, I'll share a prayer that I was praying this week. 
One is, I think it's good for us to wonder how close can I get to Jesus? How close can I be to him? There's this Misty Edwards song, if you know about Misty Edwards, and she sings, how far will you let me go? How abandoned will you let me be? It's this cry. Anybody know that song? Misty Edwards? Yeah, a few of you do. All right. If you're 30 and above, maybe there's a chance. So the five of us in this room. Anyways, um, it's this cry of, Lord, how close will you let me be to you? I want to be that close. And I just want to encourage you, church, let's pray that. Let's mean that. Let's be those people that we're not, we're not settling for the crowd. One of my prayers this week as I was preparing for this was, I believe the Lord's going to take some of you in this room from the crowd to a genuine disciple. From where you feel a little bit far away to like, oh, the Lord's bringing you close. And here's the deal. There's, the invitation is to all of you, all of us. You know, all, you, all you do, no matter how messed up you think you are and how much you wonder if Jesus would even want you close, he still gives you the invitation. All you do is respond and say, yes, I want to be close to you, Lord. And let me share you, <laughs> with you a couple examples of my own life and journey from this kind of crowd to, dis- to disciple. I grew up going to church, but I had no real relationship with God. And I guess you could say I started even further away from the crowd. Uh, like you could be, I was an antagonist, apparently. Here's, here's an example. I had this guy in high school who, um, after I started following the Lord, I got saved at 17, junior year of high school. The Lord started changing me a lot. I even, at that, at that point, and this was, I don't know what year this was, Facebook was a big deal. And, uh, you know, you have this, like, profile and all this information. And all my stuff was about how much I loved Jesus. I was just on fire for him. My hobbies, worshiping, praying, the fire of God. You know, just, that was my, literally, it's on the list of my hobbies. And uh, I had this guy from high school who was a Christian. Facebook messaged me and said, what? on earth, man. I think he's d- used different words than that. You love Jesus now? You used to make fun of me in high school because of my relationship with God. I was like, oh gosh, I'm so sorry. You know, I think I responded with, I'm sorry. I don't literally remember making fun of him, but maybe I did apparently. And, um, and anyways, I said, sorry, he didn't respond. So Lord, I pray he would not still be offended this many years later, but apparently I started that way. Okay, and then at 17, I told you I got saved, and I would say, like, I mean, I was, I was kind of inching my way closer to Jesus, but I remember this moment that just kind of makes me think about being in the crowd. Like, maybe some of the crowd are beginning to become followers. Like I said, it's like an imperfect words and categories, but I remember being in this church service. I got saved at a church called Powerhouse Christian Center. The pastor was jacked. Anyways, Powerhouse. And uh, anyways, I got saved. And, you know, worship was engaging, and I would always sit kind of in the back row, and, you know, I would like, I wanted to know Jesus a little bit, but I, I, I remember this lady that worked in the youth group kind of towards the very beginning of worship, kind of walked by, looked at me in the, in the aisle as I was in the back, and she was like, come on, Mitchell, you want to come up to the front, you know, to worship there? Because that was kind of the culture, you come up to the front and feel it. And I was like, no, it's okay, <laughs> see you later. And and I just remember, I'm so thankful I remember that moment because at that point of my journey with the Lord, I, I wanted to know Jesus, but I cared a lot about what other people thought about me, a lot. Because I was like, well, if I go up there, then people will see me. <laughs> so no, <laughs> that was my conclusion internally. 
Now, I share this with you because the Lord is just so gracious and patient with us in our journey of following him. And he was really patient with me. And, you know, over the years, I just got less and less concerned about people thought about me and started worshiping a little more freely. You know, it's kind of like hands from here to there to there to yes, you know, <laughs> just progression of worship. My youth pastor used to say how to worship wind up. And anyways, I won't show you that. Um, and uh, the Lord is gracious to us and patient with our journey. And it's not even like he's wanting a certain expression. He wants your heart. So don't misinterpret what I'm saying here. But I want to add one more thing to this comment. The Lord is so gracious to all of us in our journey. There is, there is a little clause to that. There is also an urgency. The Lord is so patient. But there is an urgency in your following and your pursuit of the Lord. And here's how I'll say it. At this point, 2023, we are only getting closer and closer to the Lord's return. We're, we're, we're not going backwards. And as you read throughout the uh, Gospels, see a lot of the parables, a lot of the scriptures in the New Testament about the Lord's return and his coming. There is a consensus that one of the main teachings Jesus is trying to get us to believe and receive is be ready. For his coming. And so I want to submit that to all of you guys that are on this journey to not let that give you a license to not take seriously your relationship with the Lord. There is an urgency. He is coming and he is looking on the earth waiting for a generation to rise up and say, I'm all his. And so if we have these thoughts, I'll take my relationship with God seriously later, then I want to encourage you to reconsider. But the Lord is still gracious and patient with us. So I give you a little bit of a download of what a disciple looks like. It's a student's learner, apprentice, one who's following the master, the Lord, the, the leaders in charge. But let me give you a little bit of insight into us. Okay, what does this look like for us? We want to be a people that are fully his. Knowing that he's the master, knowing that he's the teacher, the one who is in charge. He's the one who calls the shots. We're looking at him or we're letting him lead us. We're letting him be the example that we're following, and we're trusting that if he is the leader of our life, he will not lead us astray. The safest place any of us can ever find ourselves is surrendered to Jesus, where you're just, you've just decided, I am not in charge of my own life. I am his. And for those of you that have been a disciple of Jesus, as I explain these different um, categories, you're like, yeah, I, I'm a follower, I'm, I'm like, I'm all in. The Lord was challenging me this week with, as a disciple of Jesus, you, we need to give him consistent yeses. We need to sign up all over again. As I was knowing I was going to tell you guys, I just spent some time praying in the prayer room this week, and I, one of my prayers was, I was like down like this, and I was like, Lord, who's in charge here? And that was a question between like my heart, my relationship with him, Lord, who's, who's in charge in this relationship? And it was just more of like, a, I just don't want to be in charge of any area of my life. So I started going through different, my relationships, my marriage, my family, leading this church, leading our staff, my finances, my purity, my relationships. God, just take over. You're the leader. I'm your follower, your disciple. I surrender again. In those conversations, oftentimes the Lord will bring some things up to us. But just remember, he's so gracious. He's so patient. And it's an invitation into life, abundant. There was uh, several years ago, I was leading a um, college ministry, 
and I started talking to God about, like, what are you speaking over this college ministry? What do you have for us? And there's this phrase the Lord gave me in my time with him. I'll put it on the screen. He says, the, po- uh, the phrase that came to my mind was, the possibilities are endless with the people that are fully surrendered to Jesus. The possibilities are endless with the people that are fully surrendered to Jesus. And as we think about this call to be a disciple, I want you to think not about your ability, your personality, what you're able to accomplish, because the Lord is not primarily looking for any impressive people. What he's looking for is, is anybody willing to trust me enough to surrender everything to me? And you know what God will do? He will surprise us with what he does with us. <laughs> not just you personally, because I know you're thinking, okay, you're thinking yourself probably first, but can you imagine with me, just broaden that thought for a second, what if the people to your left and right in this room, what if we all lived surrendered to him? What would God do? It would, be, it would be a multiplying effect of a group of people that said, Lord, we're all yours. We are unimpressive, uneducated. Think of, think of the disciples. Wow, Jesus could have picked a lot of people, but he picked some interesting, unimpressive guys. And that's what he still does today. But what he's looking for is a heart that surrendered and said, Lord, I'm yours. Do with me whatever you want. And we will, we, we will be surprised with how God uh, uses our lives and the people around us if we surrender to him. Now, a couple things I want you to make sure you don't miss. I'm going to wrap up in just a little bit here. Uh, I'm going to close out with a passage in Mark 4. If you want to start turning there, you can. But um, I want you to not miss something as I'm talking about being a disciple of Jesus because a lot of what I'm saying is, yes, an individual disciple of the Lord. But I would hate for you guys to walk away with two kind of misunderstandings. One is that in order to be a disciple, I must be perfect. I really don't want you to walk away with that take with that um, takeaway, because disciples of Jesus, they know that they are weak. <laughs> they know they need God. They repent often, <laughs> but their hearts are set on the at least the direction that they're going. Another thing that I really wouldn't want you guys to walk away with is the thought that okay, I can do this. And I can do this on my own. Some of you are like, you like challenges. You like, you know, this type of tone to a message. Some of you are like, gosh, calm down, man. Well, whatever. That's just how I talk sometimes. This is, you love this. Like, come on, let's go all in for Jesus. Let's surrender. You're like, yeah, let's go. But I just don't want you to misunderstand that you can't do this alone. That this is not just an individual, independent journey. Now, taking your personal relationship with Jesus is essential, but it is not all that there is. Our being a disciple of Jesus has a healthy framework that involves the people of God or the church or his body. Let me show you this slide. Uh, the leadership team in Antioch and Waco put this um, together several years ago just to clearly communicate. Really, this is about a healthy church, but I think it applies if we want to be a church of healthy disciples. I think this is really helpful to get a picture of here are the different frameworks or elements that's going to allow us to stay committed and stay focused on this journey of being a wholehearted disciple of Jesus, okay? It's, it's called five circles of a healthy church. So you see me and Jesus, okay? It's like your personal relationship with the Lord. And then it says two and three gathered. Here at Antioch, we call those discipleship groups. It's guys with guys, girls with girls, meet up every week, every other week. We have some specific questions we ask. We check in on each other. We pray for each other and sharpen each other as we're trying to follow the Lord. And then we have house to house. We call that life group, Okay, we see that all throughout Scripture in the New Testament. They met in the temple, but also house to house. 
The next part is where you are right now, the church gather, the church service, the quote-unquote temple courts. This is what we have right now, and this is crucial and helpful to hear a clear biblical teaching, to be with the people of God in worship, multi-generational. This is an important expression. But then also there's the mission of God in the world. It's engaging outside of these walls, helping others come to know Jesus. So these five things make up a healthy church body, but also it's a good picture of what does this look like for me to be a healthy disciple and following him. You can keep that up there just for a little bit because the main thing, the easiest thing in a sense to get connected to in the church in America is probably the fourth one because we have so much freedom in gathering and buildings and churches. And so praise God. Anybody thankful for the freedom you have here? Man, we should be so thankful. Never despise it. You know, just say, thank you, Lord. What a, what a blessing. Okay, but, but it's a small piece. If this is all that we have, and this is all that we're experiencing, we are missing out on a full picture that's going to actually help us grow as a follower and disciple of Jesus. One other comment I want to say is um, there's multiplication and there's power and when all of us are doing this together. And then the last thing I want to say about this is, you know, it's easy to fall into this in our culture because of kind of a, we live in a consumeristic uh, mindset. But when you look at this stuff, be careful not to think, okay, I got my time with Jesus here. That's me and him. I got my guys group. I do that with this random group of guys over here. Oh, my house church, I do that with this random group over here. On Sundays, I go to Antioch. And then missions, I go with random missions organizations. Now, if you're involved in all that stuff, it's better than a lot of other things you could be doing with your time. Praise God. But there is something that could be missing because there is a practical depth of relationships that you're not able to experience if you're so spread out with a whole bunch of different people. And really, it's hard to hold people accountable to how are you actually living, how you're actually doing. And you will definitely see the most fruit when we do this together and commit together. Now, to be clear, this is not an isolation from the other parts of the body of Christ because we always learn and we always have relationships with other people in the body. One of the things I love doing as a pastor is meeting with other pastors, coffee, lunches, hearing how things are going with their church, praying, learning from them. But really what I mean by this is more of a focus of who am I running with as I pursue the Lord as a disciple. So hopefully that makes sense. All right, we're about to wrap up here. Everybody take a deep breath. Woo! All right, Mark 4. Mark 4. This is how we're going to close up here. Don't put it on the screen just yet. So here's how I will close it up. I'm going to unpack um, a specific element of Mark chapter 4 uh, next week. So I encourage you guys to be here for that. But I wanted to give you the kind of the lay of this passage here. So I think it's really helpful as we're talking about being a disciple. And um, hopefully you're tracking with me so far. Okay, what am I talking about today? Being a what? All right, yes. All right, pretty simple. Okay, and hopefully some of you are a little bit stirred, like you want to be a genuine disciple of Jesus, and you want to say yes again. Nod your head if there's at least a little bit landing. All right, cool. A few of you, awesome. Now, if you want to be a genuine disciple, you need to be really good at three things. Everybody say three things. Okay, all three of those things are found in Mark Four. Now, these things might be obvious, they might be a given, but I just want to make sure I was clear with you guys what these three things are if you want to be a genuine disciple of Jesus. Actually, do this. Turn to somebody next to you and ask them, what do you think these three things are? Ready, set, go. Go on, just ask somebody, what do you think these three things are? All right. I bet some of you nailed it. Okay, here we go, here we go. I'm going to give you the answer. 
Okay, the three very, very important things that you must be good at and consistently do if you want to be a genuine disciple of Jesus are these three things. Ready? Bird hunting, gardening, and eating fruit. Did anybody nail it? Anybody? No, you didn't. <laughs> Let me explain. Mark chapter 4. Here we go. You'll like this. Mark chapter 4. You guys there? Yes? Are you waiting? <laughs> you waiting for the screen? Say, I'm waiting for the screen. <laughs> oh, gosh, you guys are hilarious. I might stop doing that so you bring your own Bible. But anyways. Okay, here we go. Mark chapter 4. A very important parable. And this is how we'll close up today. Here's what he says. He began to teach beside the sea, and a very large crowd, there's the crowd again, gathered about him, so that he got into a boat and sat on the sea, and the whole crowd was beside the sea on the land. He was teaching them many things in parables, and in his teaching he said to them, listen. When Jesus says listen, make sure you're listening. Behold, a sower went out to sow, and as he sowed, some seed fell along the path, and the birds came and devoured it. Other seed fell on the rocky ground where it did not have much soil, and immediately it sprang up since it had no depth of soil. And when the sun rose, it was scorched, and since it had no root, it withered away. Other seed fell among thorns, and the thorns grew up and choked it, and it yielded no grain. And other seeds fell into good soil and produced grain, growing up and increasing and yielding thirtyfold and sixtyfold and a hundredfold. And he said, he who has ears to hear, let him hear. Verse 10. And when he was alone, those around him with the 12, there you go, you see a few people inching a little closer there, asked him about the parables. And he said to them, to you it has been given the secret of the kingdom of God. But for those outside, everything is in parables. Let me pause there for a second. How many of you guys, if it's possible, if the Lord invites you, would you like to know the secrets, so to speak, of the kingdom of God? I love that. It was the 12 that came a little closer and said, come on, come on, Jesus, tell me more. Tell me more. He said, to you it's been given to know the secrets. Okay, verse 12, it says, so they may indeed and not perceive and may indeed hear but not understand, lest they should turn and be forgiven. And in verse 13, he's about to explain this parable. He says, do you not understand this parable? How then will you understand all the parables? The sower sows the word. And these are the ones along the path where the word is sown. When they hear, Satan immediately comes and takes away the word that is sown in them. And these are the ones sown on rocky ground. The one who, when they hear the word, immediately receive it with joy. And they have no root in themselves, but endure for a while. Then when tribulation or persecution arises on account of the word, immediately they fall away. And others are the ones sown among thorns. They are those who hear the word, but the cares of the world and the deceitfulness of riches and the desires for other things enter in and choke the word, and it proves unfruitful. But those that were sown in the good soil are the ones who hear the word and accept it. Everybody say accept it. And bear fruit 30-fold and 60-fold and 100-fold. Amazing parable. Really thankful the Lord said that. I'm really glad he explained it and we got access into the more full picture of that parable. And like I mentioned jokingly earlier, there's three things you see in there that you need to be good at if you want to be a lifelong disciple and follower of Jesus. First one is bird hunting. Everybody say bird hunting. Anybody been bird hunting before? Anybody go this weekend? I guess that means yes, and <laughs> if you're a hunter, you would understand. All right. <laughs> okay, so Jesus said there's birds, in a sense, 
that come down and steal the seed. Okay, what does that mean for us? He explained it. It's when Satan comes and immediately steals uh, something that was just planted on your heart or your mind. Okay, this is a, a way I'll explain it a little bit more. What this is, is it's, um, it's lies, it's doubts, it's um, even I'll say just a bunch of critical thoughts that get into your mind when you're in a setting when the word of God is proclaimed. This guy's fake. This guy, this is ridiculous. Whatever, I can't wait to go to lunch. Just get out of here. You know, it's like your mind might be filled at certain times with just a clouded, just negative thoughts. There might be lies in there about yourself. You can't do this. You can't be a disciple. You just, you, you're not enough. You've failed too many times. You've tried, you know, blah, 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 blah. Look at your life. Look what you did yesterday. That is the devil lying to you to hinder any seeds from being planted today. And here's what we get to do as followers of Jesus. Just shoot the bird. Shoot the bird. Here's what I mean. It's like you say no in Jesus' name. I rebuke that thought. Get out. I am loved by God. I have a chance today. God is patient with me. I'm going to receive this, and I'm going to walk out as a disciple of Jesus. That's what I'm going to do. I don't care about this guy because I want God, and I'm going to be open to receive whatever God wants to do in my life. You know, you're, just, you're getting the junk out. You're saying no. I also think about the immediate, because the word immediate's in there in his explanation. Immediately Satan comes. I think of someone having an experience with somebody that's about God or maybe an experience with God, and I think of the immediate distraction or the immediate temptation that comes up in somebody's lives that tries to just steal away what God's doing. One of my clearest examples is, with like, particularly, I'll, I mean, it's, it's true for guys and girls, but I've walked with more guys closely over the years. And I think of guys that have these amazing encounters with Jesus their freshman year of college. And they're like, oh, I love him. This is amazing. And then immediately, a girl pops into the picture. And then just starts to just take away the affection for the Lord and take it somewhere else. Now, I dated after college, <laughs> it's not bad to be in relationships, but just, just be aware of when something, God is depositing things in us, just be aware that there might be some immediate distractions, immediate temptations, and just be, just be clear to talk to God about, is, should I chase that or should I not? Because the enemy is really good at trying to get us off track from what God wants to plant in us. So let's talk about gardening for a little bit. Okay, there's two things in there. There's the soil that has a bunch of rocks, and then there's the soil that has thorns in there. So in order to be a lifelong disciple of Jesus, you need to be good at gardening. Okay? When I think of the rocks, you see that explanation? Where is that? Uh, six, verse 16, the one son on rocky ground is the one who, when they hear the word, immediately they receive it with joy. So I want you to, I want you to, land, I want you to see this. Because this one, they actually, it, it's more than just they heard it. Like, they, they received it. They they had joy in God's presence, in God's house. They're like, yes, yes, I'm in. But verse 17 says they have no root in themselves, endure for a while, and then when tribulation or persecution arises on account of the word, immediately they fall away. So what I think about with this in our context, in our culture, is I think about um, like a shallowness in our relationship with God or, an, or maybe even like, I'll take a message, I'll take this, but I don't do anything with that. I don't sit on it a little bit. I don't talk to God about this. 
and like what happens is the seed doesn't go deep enough. I also think about, because it says they stumble when persecution or, or tribulation or hardship happens. I think about those that when they heard the gospel, they heard something about Jesus, there was just something in their mind that related following God with it's going to be easier and there's always better. And so then when they're faced with some sort of hardship, they're like, what, God? I gave you my life. I can't believe this happened. I can't believe I had to face this tragedy. I can't believe this job didn't turn out. I can't believe this person passed away. These are real, difficult, hard things. But just as a follower of Jesus, we need to let his seed go deeper so that we have an anchor when hard things happen. Because if you're a follower of Jesus or not, your life is still going to be very hard sometimes. (laughs) Just welcome to the world. But we want to be those that, okay, I'm deep enough in God where I trust him. Even when things are really difficult and hard, I'm still, I'm still saying yes to the Lord. So my encouragement with that practically is, like, as you hear words, as you read the Bible, as you listen to messages, like, like take it one step further and just talk. You have one more conversation with the Lord or read Mark 4 later today, you know, on your own. Just, like, let it sink in a little bit deeper, all right? All right, thorns. Uh, this is what I'm going to unpack next week in depth because I think it really speaks to our heart and the things that can get in there and choke out the fruitfulness that God wants to produce in us. Remember, I told you I'm talking about the greatest commandment, love the Lord your God with all your heart next week. And so I'm going to talk in depth about this, but look at Luke 18, or sorry, 8 verse 14 version of this same parable. I love the wording of it here. It says this, I think, there it is. As for what fell among the thorns, they are those who hear, but as they go on their way, they are choked by the cares, riches, and pleasures of life and their fruit does not mature. I love that phrasing, because there's some fruit, there's some growth, but doesn't mature, okay? As I look across this room, I know it's in a lot of your hearts, I know a lot of you guys, but I'm assuming that if you're a follower of Jesus, take this seriously, you want your fruit to be mature. Yes? Nod your head if that's true. A lot of you guys do. You want your fruit to be mature. So we need to be careful and aware of these three things that he mentions, cares of this world, deceitfulness of riches, and desire for other things. And I'll explain those next week. Last but not least, this is what we're all longing for is the fruit portion. Okay, the very end of this, it's like, hey, with, with a good heart, with an open heart, with good soil, I'm, I'm hearing, but I'm also accepting the word of God in all of its fullness. And I'm taking it deeper. I'm taking it seriously. I'm getting the rocks and thorns out. And then at, by the grace of God, there's more and more good fruit, 30, 60, and 100 fold. And hey, one comment I'll say about the fruit is that this fruit is not just for your own enjoyment. Others get to enjoy the good fruit in your life. <laughs> so just be thinking about, you know, as we take this seriously, it's, yes, for your good, but it's also for the sake of everyone that you're around, that they get to also partake in even this fruit. Amen? All right, I'm going to have the band go ahead and come on forward. And here's how we like to close here at Antioch, if you are new. We like to just take a second, just a couple minutes, and respond to the Lord um, on our own. And so this can look a lot of different ways. In just a minute, you'll be able to come receive prayer if you want prayer. You're also welcome to worship right where you are. You're also welcome right now to just pull out your journal, your phone, your notes app, and just jot down a few takeaways from this message. Here's a few guided questions I'm going to put up here on the screen that I want you just to talk about first, and then we'll give you guys the opportunity to worship or to receive some prayer for some of our folks. Okay? So here's some of the reflection questions. They'll, they'll stay up here for a little bit. First one is, Lord, where am I honestly at my relationship with Jesus? The crowd, follower, disciple, can I use that framework to help you? Second question is, what bird hunting and gardening do I need to do so that I can enjoy more fruit in my life? 
And the last one's very general, but God, what do you want me to take away from this message today? would highly encourage you to take seriously this time. I'd say this is probably the most important time of this whole um, service is just you listening to God, listening to the Holy Spirit, and seeing what he's trying to speak to you and highlight to you as we close. So go ahead. I'm going to pray for us, and then um, you guys can take some time to talk to God about those things. Lord, I just ask right now in Jesus' name that you would speak to every one of us and highlight whatever you want to highlight to us, God. We are open. Come and speak.